we know that we have all of this customer data at our fingertips and we really want to get to activate it in the best possible way and we want to commit to making this a successful project it's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond here's your host chloe thomas Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. In this episode, we're doing another of our masterclass episodes. This is where I chat to an absolute genius at doing one specific type of e-commerce, one little area of e-commerce that you all need to know about. And in this session, we're doing a marketing one. It's a marketing masterclass. And we're talking about CRM. What does a CRM strategy really mean? We're talking about far more than just running some MailChimp emails and creating a segment. We're talking about the proper full-on customer relationship management strategy. How do you manage your customers to create maximum profit for your business? Done well, it is a game changer, but there's a process to follow and a commitment to be made. Our guest will be chatting us through how he's done this for multiple e-commerce brands, some amazing named brands. You'll hear what they are in a second or two, but phenomenal uh, businesses he's worked with. We're also going to hear who this works for, when you should care about it, how to care about it. And he's going to take us through our five steps to building and executing a great CRM strategy. So hold on for all of that. And do make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on his top tips, which are frequently described as the best part of the show. And my own take on this episode too. If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform, and you should check out Shopline. Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e-commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts and payments to logistics and more. With single-click migration and out-of-the-box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. Super are on a mission to disrupt the payments landscape. In an industry where merchants are used to being charged for every swipe, tap or click, Super Payments is flipping the script and making the transaction 100% free. Yes, you heard that right. 100% free. Plus, Super offers a free loyalty program so you can pass the savings generated from free payments back to your customers as cash rewards. Thousands of brands are already seeing increases of over 40% in their retention rates because of this. Everybody wins. 
If you ship or sell to the UK, sign up for a demo now at ecmp.info forward slash super. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-u-p-e-r. On that landing page, you'll also find full T's and C's and details of how you could get a special £5 welcome bonus for your customers. And now to introduce our guest expert. Hayden Parks is a CRM specialist. He now consults for brands like Balance Me, Hunter Boots and Sizzly Paris via his firm Digital Fit. And before that was, get ready for it guys, Head of Performance at Lovecrafts, Global Head of CRM at Moe Hennessy, that's across all their brands, not just the champagne brand, and Head of Digital at Agent Provocateur. Hello Hayden. Hi, Chloe. How are you? I'm good. And congrats on such an amazing list of brands in one's bio. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. <laughs> it's really lovely to be here to, to speak to you. I, I always listen to your podcast. So thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you on. Um, I hope being on the other end of the mic is not too weird. Uh, but to help you settle in, how did you end up in this marvellous world of e-commerce? Oh, now that's a story. I started working in e-commerce um, when I worked for a small online travel agent. Uh, I was their eCRM manager and then bizarrely traversed into luxury lingerie, which is when I went to Agent Provocateur. While I was there, it was very much a big CRM role, but I quickly moved into the head of digital and CRM position. And that was a really great opportunity for me to broadly dip my fingers into the world of e-commerce, but also CRM became much more than e-CRM. It was across retail outlets as well as online. Uh, it was a luxury business, so very much around clienteling and using data in that way. And then I went to Moet Tennessee as their global head of CRM. And that was, again, a, a really uh, fascinating move for me because it opened up my eyes to the world of huge corporate businesses and how they deal with technical implementations and process changes. And then from there, I mean, I, I was pretty much sold on e-commerce and it was really a great move for myself, um, a really enjoyable one to, to go into consultancy and help more smaller businesses with the, I guess, the knowledge gap that they would have in terms of how to, to grow their business through e-com. And now you're here on the podcast to help hundreds more understand and fill, fill that knowledge gap entirely, or let's, let's hope so. CRM. Many people think it's a spreadsheet or it's a MailChimp account or, you know, maybe they've graduated as far as an Omnisend or even a Klaviyo account. It's a bit more than sending a welcome sequence and having an inquirer's versus a buyer's segmentation, isn't it? When we're doing it properly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I think actually CRM is a really interesting concept because it's misunderstood by a lot of a lot of different people. And that is from business leaders, you know, down to operational teams. And I think actually it can be interpreted in a number of different ways too. So obviously there are those that see CRM as, as being the email marketing channel and being able to communicate to different customers through email in a targeted and segmented way. But for me, I would say that CRM is really just about understanding the customer at every level of the business. And so obviously 
it is using the data that you have at your fingertips as a business. You have all of this first-party data. There's so much value in that. But it's really bit about being able to understand how to get the most out of that data, the, the most value from it, and actioning it in the right way, and being able to track that and measure it so that it ultimately leads to business success. And actually, when you start to think about putting the customer at the heart of what you're doing, it kind of almost transcends you know, marketing channels. It's really about thinking about how every part of your business can work more efficiently, more effectively at pleasing that customer. And so customer relationship management could be seen as you know, working at every level of the business. So yeah, everybody, a little bit more than an email account <laughs> is what we're saying here. That was a brilliant explanation, Hayden. Thank you. It's one of those things that I think many people think about, and I know I'm certainly guilty of using the shorthand CRM to mean email marketing with a bit of SMS thrown in. But done properly, it makes such a big impact to a business. But I guess it's one of those things which you could quite easily get a bit obsessed with at the wrong stage of a business. I mean, not that you should ever be unobsessed with your customer relationships and your customer experience, but is there a point at which we can ignore it or a point at which we have to pay attention? How does this work with the growth stages of an e-commerce brand? I think that's a really interesting question because, I mean, you look at technology now and it almost allows businesses to do a lot more than they could have done with much less um, than perhaps, you know, 10 years ago. And you look at the tech stack, you look at e-commerce platforms and, you know, plugging in different apps and tools to, you know, really power those marketing functions. And so with CRM, it really depends on how the business is looking at CRM. And so if, you, if you've got your Shopify store and, you know, you're turning over 500,000 to a million and you can plug in your Klaviyo or whichever other platform you may want to be using... And you have really intelligent ways of manipulating your data and understanding the different segments and cohorts within your customer base with quite little effort. So even if you're in the early stages, there is still quite a lot that you can do without a huge amount of effort. But then it's when you start scaling up your business to, you know, perhaps the seven-digit number, million to five million, and most likely, you're probably not plowing all of your marketing budget into acquisition. You know, hopefully you will have uh, an organic, healthy return rate of your customers. And so then I think the opportunity is really about what resource do you have internally to fully understand your customer behavior and how you can start to influence that behavior. And it's not always evident by, as you say, setting up a flow which is just, you know, have you shopped in the last six months, therefore we'll send you an incentive code. It's about personalizing the content. It's about understanding what that customer behavior looks because customers can exhibit very different behaviors within a single business. Some shop very frequently at a, you know, a low cost. Some shop relatively infrequently at a very high cost. And so there's a lot of devil in the detail and there's a lot of power in the data. I, I don't think there's really like one quick answer for this but I think as a business once you get to that point where you know that you have a healthy volume of return customers and perhaps you're scratching your head because you don't really know what messages to send them or what is going to be the most beneficial for your bottom line as a business then that's perhaps when an expert could come in and, and start taking a look at that data and uncovering some of those opportunities that perhaps wouldn't have been obvious otherwise. I like it so it's 
we shouldn't be going, we need advanced CRM. We should be going, where's our problem and what could solve that problem? And one of the answers is almost certainly advanced CRM as you grow to that stage. You used a couple of pieces of terminology in here, which I'm going to ask you a question around, and I hope it's not too evil a question. (laughs) So segments, cohorts, what's the difference? Yeah, to be honest, Chloe, I use both terms interchangeably. I think your cohorts, your segments, they're really defining a subset of your customer base based on their demographics, their behavior, their psychographics. But I wouldn't get too hung up on it. It is really just, I feel, a term that you can use to separate out different behaviors of your customer base. Nice. I like it. Everyone, do not get hung up on what's a cohort and what's a segment. Just focus on getting to know your customers. Loving that answer. Thank you, Hayden. Now, you've worked for a whole range of different brands. Is the process a business that, that's ready to really invest in their CRM undertakes always the same? I don't think it's always the same, but perhaps it should always be the same. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I, um, I personally, when, when I go into a business and I, um, I start to audit their CRM practices, there are generally five steps that I will take to A, understand what the opportunities are, but also get buy-in from the business and try and make the work that I do as impactful as possible. Nice. I'm liking this. I'm like also liking the fact you said this is about getting buy-in because whether you're an employee or a consultant, that is such a challenge with these big big projects a lot of the time. So loving that that's built in. Tell us what the the five are quickly and then we'll dive into each one in depth. So what's the, what is these five steps you're going to be telling us about Hayden? Yeah, absolutely. So the the first step is to really define the goals and that is done at a business level. The second step will really be about identifying the opportunities, which is really hidden in the data. And then the third step is around planning an activation strategy. Fourth step, executing on that activation strategy. And then ultimately, the, the fifth step is to track performance based on business metrics that relate directly back to the the goals that were set in the initial step. Five steps and circular as well. (laughs) I always love it when it refers back to the first one. Okay, let's let's run through these five for everyone listening. First off, defining the goals at the highest level. How do we do it? What are the common pitfalls? So I think this is probably the most important part of the process because quite often if those goals have been defined before I even come on, on the scene, if they haven't been defined in the right way, then it really does influence actually how well the project goes. So, for example, I think a business really needs to, if they're going to be undertaking CRM with the utmost effort that they can and they're going to commit to it, then they probably should understand that it's not just a piece of consultant work, but there's probably going to be a requirement for them to invest in more resource to activate on the strategy, perhaps even looking at their tech stack. So again, it kind of comes back to your your question earlier about, is it just about creating some flows in your email campaign management solution? Or is it really about understanding how to get the most out of your data, perhaps in an automated way, then how to activate on that data? Um, And so I think the goals are really around defining not just the channel and the activation, which kind of comes a little bit later, but it's it's basically saying, 
we know that we have all of this customer data at our fingertips and we really want to get to activate it in the best possible way and we want to commit to making this a successful project and, and so therefore for me it's the most important part of the process and I, I would use an example actually with one of my recent clients I was taking a look they, they're a multi-channel business and I was taking a look at the different shopping behaviors of customers that shop either through online or in store or across both channels and there was some really interesting insights within that data it was saying that a multi-channel customer is incredibly valuable, much so more than single-channel customers. But it really challenged how, internally how that business is structured. And the teams were working in silos, essentially. And those silos were created because their KPIs were created to speak directly to those individual channels. And so had the goal been set before to say, you know, we're willing to take a look at what we can do to make this business as profitable as possible, then perhaps they would have been more willing to take a look at how that business was structured. Got you. So the, the goals end up defining the scope. So if it's we want more repeat customers, that's a very different one from we want to re increase repeat sales on our website. It's that level we're looking for. Okay, cool. Like it. Uh, number two, then identifying the opportunities. Tell us more. Yeah, so for me, again, this is this is really about what information can be gleaned from, from the data. And there is a lot of technology out there now where you can just create your segments and you can get the numbers of your customers that are in those segments, and that's great, but it's a little bit of a black box and it doesn't necessarily answer all of your questions. And so for me, what I would do is... is get a full dump of that data and just really understand how those customer segments are created, what those behaviors are between those customer segments and what makes them, you know, unique. And then also as a business, understand how those segments are changing over time as well. And so, for example, your loyal customer base, it's quite easy to understand based on, you know, spend, how much value that cohort represents. But then perhaps there are more valuable customers that perhaps don't necessarily fit in there because they've only shopped once. And so therefore, how do you understand who those potential high value customers are early enough in the process? And perhaps that is about understanding, you know, going back and looking at the established VIP customers and what their early signals were to allow you to, to be able to act on that. And so quite often that information isn't going to be in your technology stack it's not necessarily going to be you know a function that is included with the solutions that you have quite a lot of that detail is is hidden in the data and so yeah for, for me it's really about digging into the data and understanding where those little gold nuggets are that can be optimized and that a business can act on got it so it's kind of like going back to the raw data rather than seeing it through the filter of a tool, but then also adding that time dimension in, which I think companies so frequently forget the time dimension. Like we have X VIPs and X people who have only inquired and X first time buyers and X repeat buyers and five people who order via Amazon or something. And they don't ever actually go, but what led to that? And what we end up, we kind of end up with this very two dimensions. Love that three dimensional take. Okay, number three, 
planning and activation strategy. We know our goals. We've identified some opportunities. What do we do next? Yeah, then then it's just I think it's really about looking at your existing infrastructure as a business to understand what are the opportunities that that you can act on, and then do you have the resource internally to be able to make it all work and quite often you know that does come down to technology but you know it's about taking a look at your human resource as well and then the processes so for example for a, for a business such as agent provocateur or um, other luxury businesses you know they will have a very small proportion of customers that generate a huge amount of their revenue and is it going to be enough just to send out an email to them or you know is it worth investing a little bit more and developing human relationships and so you know i think that is where the planning kind of comes in and it's about you've you've understood what the opportunities are now it's about how can we make the infrastructure within the business work to to meet our our, our needs and our goals that is probably a part of the process where whereby there's a bit of negotiation because it does require budget, it does require resource. And, you know, quite often, if a business isn't looking to recruit to fill these roles, then it's about looking at how can we kind of shoehorn this activity in, in a meaningful way. And if that's not going to be possible, you know, if, for example, a customer service agent needs to take on personal shopping, but realistically, with Black Friday coming up, then how are they going to find the time to do that, then it kind of gets sidelined and it puts the whole project at risk. So it's quite um, an interesting part of the process to match those objectives and the opportunities to actually, you know, how you can fulfil that. Yeah, because it has to be achievable, doesn't it? Whether it's based on time, people, money, tech. So I guess guess there's like some quick wins that are fairly straightforward to do, but the but a lot of the more impactful stuff takes that bit of negotiation, as you were saying, to make it transpire. Let's move on to number four, executing the strategy. So I assume by this point you've got agreement to things. So uh, so what happens in number four? Yeah, so, I mean, th- this is really the, the doing. You know, for me, this is this is about getting the, the teams involved, whether that's new members of the team or existing members that really need to not only understand how to, to set up perhaps these new processes, but also to understand the performance of them as well. And so for a, a good kind of communication program within a CRM strategy, you know, you're most likely looking at different channels, so email, direct mail, SMS, even through to, you know, prospecting. And if, if the data systems are, uh, are, you know, quite comprehensive, then perhaps you're going to be able to use a lot of your CRM data to find new customers that most look like your high value customers. And so I think it's really about bringing all of it together and getting all of these processes in place. It could even be uh, taking a look at the content that is being delivered understanding how best to personalize. I mean, there's not a huge amount really to say about that other than just the fact that it's it's about pulling all of your resources together, testing the, the technology, but it's just activating the strategy that, that would have been defined already. Nice. Okay. So we get on with it. And then probably my most favorite part, I'd re, I'd call this the, uh, the keep optimizing step, but you've called number five, the tracking metrics and optimizing step. I guess one of the most important steps in the whole process? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, it's 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 the most important step in any kind of process. If 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 there's going to be investment put into any kind of activity, then you know you'd want to see what the return is on that. And also, this really tracks back to the first step, which is about defining those goals. So, are we able to bring in more repeat customers? Are we able to increase the lifetime value of our existing customers? What is it that we're doing that is increasing that lifetime value? And are we able to compare it to perhaps a control group? And for me, that's where I get most excited because you really do start to, if if it's all planned out and mapped out correctly in terms of the metrics that you're going to be monitoring and what your expectations are, then you can really start to see the impact that the activity is having. It's an incredibly important part of the process. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform, and you should check out Shopline. Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e-commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts and payments to logistics and more. With single click migration and out of the box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e. Super are on a mission to disrupt the payments landscape. In an industry where merchants are used to being charged for every swipe, tap or click, Super Payments is flipping the script and making the transaction 100% free. Yes, you heard that right. 100% free. Plus, Super offers a free loyalty program so you can pass the savings generated from free payments back to your customers as cash rewards. Thousands of brands are already seeing increases of over 40% in their retention rates because of this. Everybody wins. If you ship or sell to the UK, sign up for a demo now at ecmp.info forward slash super. That's ecmp.info forward slash S-U-P-E-R. On that landing page, you'll also find full T's and C's and details of how you could get a special £5 welcome bonus for your customers. It's time for the top tips round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Not that you haven't already, Hayden, but you're ready for the top tips. So ready. Excellent. Well, and as a as a listener of the show, I'm hoping for good answers here. <laughs> Expectations are high, sir. Okay, book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Well, this book isn't exactly new, but it's one that I think is well worth a visit if customer experience and getting the most out of your business by focusing on customers is is a priority. It's called Be Our Guest and it's written by Theodore Kinney 
and the Disney Institute. So this is a book that really takes the concept of customer service, not just being customer service, but it's about the delivery of your products and services and creating an experience across all of your touch points. And most people would agree that Disney, for anybody that's been to uh, Disney World or any other park, would agree that they really do excel in that. And it's in, and their framework is about taking people, place, and uh, processes and doing what they can through all of those delivery mechanisms to achieve high quality standards. And actually, the Disney Institute is really interesting because they take businesses um, from all over the world and they train businesses in the principles of what has made Disney so successful. So this is a, a really great way just in 200 pages to, to get all of that knowledge from like such a wonderfully customer focused brand. Excellent. Great recommendation. Really fits with what we've been talking about too. Uh, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Well, I'm kind of sticking with the, the theme of the show and I'm going to go for direct mail. And the reason I say direct mail is because I think it is quite an unloved, unloved channel. Um, and also it's one that isn't necessarily managed in the right way. And I think that a, a great direct mail campaign can really utilize customer segmentation. So you can say, I, I really want to target one-time customers and drive that second purchase. And you can set it up against a control group and you can really start to see the impact that this kind of activity is having for your business. And it's qualified traffic that comes to your site. So you can almost guarantee that you're going to get a return and you're going to see a good conversion rate off of it. So for me, direct mail is um, is a winner. I'm always up for a bit of direct mail chat. Where my career started, and um, and yeah, it does make me laugh when people go, "There's this new thing called direct mail, <laughs> <laughs> this secret source for generating sales, but so powerful when done well." And there's so many people out there who can do it brilliantly. It's very easy. Very easy if you ask the right people to create a very powerful campaign first time around. Before I go off on one about direct mail for the next <laughs> half hour, let's do the tool top tip. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, I mean, this isn't going to set the world on fire. And actually, I think some people might suggest that I'm taking a step backwards, but I'm such a data nerd that um, I couldn't live without Excel and Google Sheets. Um, you know, I, I think with Excel, I can be really creative with the way that I'm manipulating data. And actually, sometimes, again, like really nerdy, but I think like an Excel, Excel spreadsheet. So if someone talks to me about a business problem, then I'm already sort of thinking in Excel how I'm going to solve that problem. Um, and then I just love the collaborative nature of Google Sheets. And is that, I was going to say, how do you choose which to use for which thing? And is it the collaboration that's the bit that, that's the game changer for the Sheets? Yeah, if, I, if I'm going to get my head stuck into a spreadsheet, then I'll probably most likely go to Excel. But to, to share it and then to get everybody else's input for sure with Google Sheets. Nice, cool. Two, two tools I love too. Uh, carbon top tip. What's your favourite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce store? Well, this is going to be a bit left field. Um. <laughs> I, he's laughing because I'm making a, like a, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Face at him on the video, everybody. <laughs> but um, my, my top tip for reducing carbon uh, footprint is cold showers. So 
There's obviously a lot of health benefits for cold showers, which I think probably most people would be aware of. It's not heating water, and so therefore it's much better for the environment. But in terms of for your business, so I just find that it's quite an empowering and emboldening activity, and it really tests that flinch factor. So, you know, to actually step under a, a cold shower, for me, it kind of gives me two hours of motivation and positivity to go into my day. And so I think, you know, that that kind of different mindset that you might have going into work, it could be quite interesting. <laughs> I like it. The carbon used in a shower is surprisingly high. So uh, that's considerably less left field tip than you're saying. And the fact it makes us all more productive and think better is is uh, spot on as well. So um, Hayden, thank you for that one too. Now, before we say goodbye, I'm sure many of the listeners are going, I need his help, or I've got a question around cohorts versus segments or something. <laughs> um, where can the listeners find you, your business and get in touch with you, please? I have a website, um, digitalfit.info. I'm also on LinkedIn, so you could just search for Hayden Parks on LinkedIn. Alternatively, just drop me an email at hayden at digitalfit.info. Simple as that, everyone. Hayden is a mine of information on this, so do reach out if you've got questions or you're interested in hiring him. Um, Hayden, thank you so much for being on the e-commerce masterplan podcast. It has been lovely chatting to you and kind of explaining all about a topic that far too much flippantly uh, just talk about the three-letter acronym without actually really getting into what it actually means. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing it all with us. Thanks so much for having me, Chloe. So there you go, everyone. CRM, a lot more than just a few automated sequences in your email activity. It's almost like a whole business guiding strategy when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, because it really is about finding a better way to manage those customer relationships for the greatest profit for the company, whatever that may take, as uh, many of Hayden's examples just outlined. So those five steps were one, defining the goals at the highest level. Second, identifying the opportunities. Third, planning and activating the strategy. Four, executing the strategy. And then five, tracking the metrics. And of course, optimizing. We love the optimization bit. You can find all those ways to get in contact with Hayden, as well as our notes on this episode, plus the transcript and those top tip links too, by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, or use our direct episode short links. Just use ecmp.info forward slash whatever the number of this episode is. Put that in the URL bar and you'll go straight to the correct page on the website. When you get to the website, why not add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on many of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, well, why not scroll back up the feed and find something else that takes your fancy? We have literally hundreds of episodes now, so I bet there's something there that will tickle your fancy and help you build on these bits and pieces we've just been talking about. Thank you so much for tuning in to this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including progressing along the path to net zero, becoming more sustainable. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a brilliant week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.
If your tech stack is becoming a bottleneck to growth, it's time to replatform, and you should check out Shopline. Shopline is the modern commerce platform that's disrupting Europe as one of Asia's leading e-commerce platforms. Whether your bottleneck is setting up more sales channels like social commerce or expanding to new markets globally, Shopline takes care of everything from store setups, checkouts and payments to logistics and more. With single click migration and out of the box tools, they're there to help. The best part about it, you don't need to pay until your site is live. Here in the UK, they power brands like In The Style and Everything £5. Whilst in Asia, they're the platform of choice for huge brands like Lego and Muji. If you want to scale, it's time to book your free trial or have a chat with one of the Shopline team. Find out what Shopline could do for you via ecmp.info forward slash shopline. That's ecmp.info forward slash s-h-o-p-l-i-n-e.